This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day and I thank you for your word. Your word has already been speaking to us. Your word is already changing us for we are becoming new creations through Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you for what you have already accomplished today. And now as I stand before this part of this congregation, Lord, I thank you that you are going to speak to our hearts, not only through the word, but you're going to speak to our hearts through, the, through how you want us to be a part of providing a space for other people to come to know about Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for what's been accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, last Sunday, I appreciate those of you who took the message literally as I began this series on reset. And reset is what we were talking about is how to get your body reset so that in your body, for you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, you then need to glorify God in your body. And so we were talking about, and I think it's been powerful this week, even in my own life, that when you're part of a Daniel fast or a fast or whatever it is you're doing, that what you're really doing is you're learning how to prioritize the things of God. For example, you say, I can't go to that restaurant because uh, they don't have anything that would fit the plan that I'm I'm doing in this fast. Or or you go to a restaurant and you you look at the menu and you say, well, I can't do that. I can't do that because I'm honoring God. How does that help us spiritually? Well, it helps us spiritually because there's some things that you don't need to go to if you're going to honor God in your body. There's some things that life's going to try to serve you on the menu of life's choices that you need to say, I can't do that, and I can't do that, and I can't do that because I'm going to honor God. But here's what I just felt in my spirit. Don't think about what you can't do. Think about what you can do because you chose to honor God, and God chose to bless you. Amen. And God's anointing flows through your life. I can't tell you what some things are like. I can't tell you what a high feels like. I can't tell you what a drunk feels like, but I can tell you this. I can tell you what it feels like to lay hands on somebody right here in this altar and feel the power of God go through them and cancer leave their body and miracles happen and arms stretch out that could not work. I can tell you those things because you have to make a decision to reset who you are because before God can work through you spiritually, he needs you to honor him physically. Can I get an amen? All right, so we talked about your physical being last week. And so what I said in the first two services, I'm going to say a little different in this service. Today I want to talk to you about resetting your heart. Resetting your heart. Because, listen to me carefully, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Scripture says. And so my intentions are to talk to you about resetting yourself financially. But some of you, the moment I say, if you want to start a fight in a marriage, talk about money. Come on, amen. If you want people to stop saying amen in church, talk about money. Well, some of you just wanted to prove me wrong. But people will, let me just tell you, the offering is already taken. But I want to talk to you not about budgeting. I want to talk to you about the the condition of your heart that will help change the financial situation of your life. For you see, your life cannot be driven by budgets. Your life can be ordered by budgets because you can have a plan. If you don't have a plan, if uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. 
And so, with that in mind, you've got to have a plan about how you're going to move forward in your life, how you're going to, how you're going to set yourself up financially, how you're going to put yourself in a better place so you don't have money problems, but you have money problems. Let me rephrase that. And some of you would say, Pastor Donna, I would like to have money problems. Who wants money problems? Nobody. Let me, re- let me say it a different way. How many of you want so much money that you've got a problem figuring out what to do with it? Come on, amen. But the problem... <laughs> Derek jumped up through, whoa, hallelujah, amen, back there. He wants more of that. Well, in that, you also have to understand that with that, we all, more of us have money problems. We don't have enough money because we haven't learned a principle that affects our heart. And because we haven't learned this principle, one of the reasons is we aren't being intentional. Now, on the last day of the year last year, Christina called me and, or texted me and she said, I just finished my Bible plan on date for the year. And I was so proud of her because she had a plan. She was able to mark where she needed to be and she knew how to succeed. And in your life, if you don't have a plan for your family, a plan for your finances, you won't know how to move forward. Now, I can tell you, I'm not going to talk about tithe and offering because Pastor Danny's already made it clear that, that you as a Christian should uh, bring your tithe and you should give your offering. But I want to talk to you about another factor that is the engine behind living in a better place financially and in other areas of your life. I want to talk to you about a part of the giving part of our life, the equation part that brings in giving. And here is what God taught me this week about giving. Listen to me carefully. Giving brings us to a place of generosity, and generosity unlocks grace in our life. Now listen to me. I'm not going to talk about money all today. I'm talking about becoming a generous person. Generosity unlocks grace in our life. I had someone call me about something that somebody owed uh, somebody, and they called and they said, Don, what do you want to do about this? Uh, This person owes this. And immediately, the first thing that popped into my mind, listen to me carefully, the first thing that popped into my mind was not how much they owed, but how generous they've been. And when I remembered how generous they had been, suddenly what they owed didn't seem as important because their generosity unlocked grace. And I said, I'm not really going to be worried about that because they have been way too generous for us to be concerned about that problem. Are are you following me? We're not going to be as concerned about that because their generosity unlocked grace. Some of you are not following along. You don't know if you believe that generosity unlocks grace. How about this generosity? It was the gift of God that he sent Jesus Christ out of the generosity of heaven that he literally bankrupted. Uh, bankrolled glory so that his son for whosoever would believe on him after it would not perish but have everlasting life why because god gave him out of the generosity of heaven we have the right to come into this place today not outcasts but children of the most high god because generosity from god unlocked grace over our lives can i get an amen for that you see generosity unlocks grace I think the better example of that maybe is another situation. What do you happen if you have two neighbors? Does anybody in here, has anybody been blessed to have two people's property connected to yours? I have three. Please pray extra for me. But if you have a neighbor on this side who is generous and a neighbor on this side who is not, you'll be amazed how you will have grace for one and not grace for the other. 
This one on this side, they come over and cause a little problem or something happens or something runs over it and something, something gets messed up. All of a sudden, you begin to think about how good a neighbor they've been. And when you think about how good a neighbor they've been, their generosity factor causes you to say, grace grace unto you. But on the other side, every time your kid's football goes on their property, they're griping about it. And all of a sudden, something from their property is parked in your yard. Guess what you don't have? Grace. Why? Because their lack of grace has prevented your flow of grace. Now, that's, I'm not justifying that. I'm just telling you that's the way we operate in our lives. Generosity unlocks a flow of grace. I've got scripture on this. Second Corinthians chapter 8. This will help you in your marriages. It'll help you with your neighbors. Somebody came here going, God, I don't want to hear about my neighbors and forgiving them. Amen. But if you'll become generous, grace can begin to flow into your life. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to... What We want you to know about the grace... Watch this. The grace that God has given... Notice this, this is a gift of God's grace to the Macedonian churches. The grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Watch this. You're going through a hard time. You're in a bad place. But in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. They were given, notice this, they were given grace because even though they had an excuse not to give generously, watch this, God gave them grace because no matter the excuse, they still gave generously. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able. Watch this. And even beyond where they were able. See, some of you are not understanding why this is important. You think I'm just talking about your finances. I am talking about your finances, but I'm talking more than about your finances. The problem, the reason you don't have peace in your home is you're not generous with the grace you give your spouse. You're not generous with the grace you give your children. As your generosity level begins to increase, the grace level begins to flow more freely in your life. And as the grace level begins to flow, all of a sudden things begin to shift because what we see here is even when you should not be giving grace, but instead you give grace out of the generosity of your heart, then God is able to pour out even more upon your life. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege, watch this, of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they, watch this, and they exceeded our expectations. Can you listen to that? They begged for an offering. I have never in all my years of going to church heard people say, would you stop singing so we can give an offering? But they begged for the opportunity to give. Listen, if I was at a pastor's conference and I preached that verse right there, they'd be like, please, Lord, please, Lord. Why? Because what they're saying is that people got a hold of a fact that if I can sow into something from a generous place, then what that does, I don't give to get, but what it does is it opens a door in my life for the blessings of God to begin to flow. And I'm not just talking about money in your life. I'm talking about freedom and deliverance by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, I understand what it means to live in a generous family. My father was... 
I started to say he was too generous. I remember, I remember one day coming home and my mom, she looked like she was just, she was in shock. And I heard her say this. She said, Rodney, where are we supposed to sleep? My dad had heard about a family that had lost everything and he gave them his bed. Mom said, that's fine, Rodney, but where are we sleeping tonight? But they've never lacked for a place to sleep. I remember one time, I remember convincing myself, I was a young boy, my dad would buy these boats and different things, he'd buy them, and I would think, we're going to go fishing, we're going to have, we're going to go out, we're going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to become one of those tournament fishermen or whatever, like you see on TV, and I was all excited, because dad would have that boat, and I'd show up at the house the next day, all excited, and my dad would have already gotten rid of the boat. Because nine times out of ten, somebody told him, somebody told him about a need and he realized he didn't need that boat as much as God was going to bless through him to be able to be generous to somebody else. The favorite story I have of that is we used to have a, uh, this little place that, that, that we would go to and it was just an old, old, old place we would go to and, and he, he began to fix it up. And as he began to fix it up, he was praying one day and, and he said, God, I sure do want a tractor and a certain kind of tractor and a red tractor. And he laid it all out before God and God blessed him with that tractor. My dad has never been much one for possessions, but I remember him riding on that tractor and he just had that goofiest look on his face like God answered my prayers. And I thought to myself as a young man, I thought, thank you, God, for blessing that man who's been so generous. But one day I came and I, and I looked and in the barn there was no tractor. The tractor was gone. And I wanted to know where the tractor was. I said, Dad, I know you gave it to somebody. Where's the tractor? He said, well, son... God spoke to me and told me a name of somebody in another country. It was in India, and he didn't ne he never met the person. He said, but God spoke to me and told me a name and told me to sell that tractor and send the money to them. So he con contacted our denomination, and our denomination said, yes, we have a missionary by that name in that country. And so my dad sent him the money, and as the money arrived, they needed an emergency surgery that only there's no way they could have got without the funds. But because God spoke to my dad out of a generous heart, watch this now, God was able to bless that family. God was able to bless them. He, I'm not trying to increase your giving to this house. You've been faithful. Can I tell you? I sat in awe this week as I looked at what we're about to send mission to. That you have given money that's about to help little girls not be taken into the sex trade. You have given money that's taking the gospel to the place. We're actually training imams that, that got saved by the glory of God. And they're going to go to places they know that the average lifespan will only be six months for them. But they are so radically changed for the glory of God. And because of you, we can fund them going. They're going to the parts where the, the, the missionaries from here cannot go to preach the gospel in the Islamic world to declare that there's only one God and his name is Jesus Christ and he came and he died for you because of your generosity we're already going but watch this Generosity releases something in your life. It releases a blessing. And all of you are just thinking about finances. What I didn't tell you about that red tractor was dad sold the tractor and then God blessed him with a business that blessed our family for years and years because, watch this, because he was willing to give from generosity, it opened the door of grace over our lives. And some of you are going, but pastor, I don't have finances. I'm going to address that in just a moment. What if you're dealing with another area? What if you're dealing with depression? What if you're dealing with struggles? What if you're dealing with something like that? Let me just tell you. 
Let's just say you're so depressed, there's only a little bit of light left in your heart. What you do is you use that little bit of light you have left in your heart and you get generous with it. You find somebody that's in a worse condition than you are. And you walk over and you begin to encourage them. And as you begin to encourage them, listen to me carefully, as you begin to encourage them, you realize something that as I'm encouraging them, the joy factor is not being sucked out of my life, but it's increasing in my life. Generosity unlocks grace. I'll never forget several years ago, I was quite angry with people. Our daughter had been diagnosed for a few years and Suddenly there was another revival that occurred across town. In this revival, different location this time, but in this revival went on for quite some time. People were being healed left and right. And so I, I, I picked up my, my baby girl. And we drove to that service. And as I sat there in that service, the man preached for a long time. And, and the way he would do it was, you know, he didn't just pray for people quickly. He prayed for them until they were healed. So the lines were long, super long. And we got in those lines and, and I'm holding my baby. And I was watching and I was just praying, God, heal my baby, heal my baby. And as I was watching there, I'll tell you, there was no generosity in my heart because before long I realized something, that there were people, you know, every move of God has cereal at it. Little nuts and flakes, come on now, Amen. There was some nuts and flakes in the crowd. Doesn't mean it wasn't a move of God. It just meant this. And what was happening is they would go run up there and they'd go, my back hurts. And they'd get a little prayer for a little while. Ooh, I feel better. So they'd run out of line and they'd come break back in line. And next time they were like, my ear hurts. And they were doing it over and over and over again. And there was all these real needs back here. And there was a fire boiling up inside of me. I thought, I'll give you something that really hurts. You let me get 10 more people up and I'll trip you. You will be hurt. That's the mindset I was in. I was angry. I had a real need. That's when we were still having to hold her down. She would kick, scream, had no voice because of the violence that we'd have to, we'd have to give shot after shot and poke after poke. And, and it was just awful. And, and I was just thinking about that. And, 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 and I was getting madder and madder. My blood pressure was going up and I was angry. And I looked across to my right. I don't know what drew my attention to the right, but there was this little woman. I, we still know them great people, but this little woman standing over there that I barely knew at that time. And she, she was a tiny little lady and she had this big old daughter that, that, that was a beautiful girl, but, but this daughter had a disease. She's gone to glory now, but she had a disease. Her eyes were rolled back in her head. Her arms were contorted, and, and her tongue was hanging out the side of her mouth, and drool was running down that little lady. And as she stood over there, she wasn't looking over here mad at all these people that were doing wrong. She just standing over there, and I watched the glory of God flowing through that woman because she was creating an atmosphere for miracles. She was not being selfish like I was being selfish. She was being generous with her praise. And as she got more generous, generous with her praise, it had an effect on my life. You see, if all you look at is your problems, then before long, you're going to be mad at everybody and mad at the world. But if you'll start looking at what God can do, you'll start looking at what God's, and as she began to worship, something changed in me. I looked down at my beautiful baby, and I started crying and saying, God, you're good, and you're faithful, and I don't know when or if you'll ever heal her, but you're still God, and you're still in control, and the atmosphere of her generosity in the moment changed my life. 
But you're going, Pastor, I have nothing left to give. I know what it feels like to say you have nothing. To feel like you're spent. Try feeling spent and then got to get up here and preach to somebody about the love of Jesus. Try getting beat up and hurt. Attacked and criticized. Happened to me in the first service today. Then you got to get up here and talk about being open with your heart. That's what you have to do. You have to make up a mind, your mind. I don't care what's wrong in the environment. All I'm going to focus on is what's right with my God. The year is 1910. The country and location is India, and the region is the poorest region of India. In the poorest region of India, the poorest caste, if you understand anything about India, they have caste systems. The poorest caste in the poorest region of India, one of the poorest uh, countries on the, the planet, but in the poorest caste there, there's a church. In 1910, they met together and they, 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 they believed a principle of God's word that says, I have been blessed to be a blessing. Let me help you with that. I have been blessed to be a blessing. No, that's got half of you. I have been blessed to be a blessing. They met together in this little area and God began to bless their church. But as God began to bless their church, you've got to understand that the average family lives on less than a dollar a day today. Okay? Less than a dollar a day, the average family. They said, how can we be a blessing? We, the poorest people in this region, the poorest people in India, how can we be a blessing? Well, let me tell you how much a blessing they were. Three years ago, that church and the poorest people and the poorest caste and the poorest region of India where people make a dollar a day, if they're lucky, gave $13 million to missions. $13 million. Since 1919, they have funded 1,800 missionaries going to the world. And here's how they do it. This was the principle they said. We feel blessed when we have rice to feed our family. Pastor, we have nothing to give. Now listen to what I just said. We feel blessed when we have rice to give our family. So if we have food to eat, we have food to give. So here's how they do it. In their homes, the church distributes these. They have these little brown sacks. And beside the sack, there's a little cup. And every time that the family actually gets a meal, the mom of that house takes, as she's preparing the meal, takes that little cup. She scoops from the family's meal and she puts it in the bag. She makes the family's meal. The next day, if they're lucky to have a meal, she takes the little cup and scoops from it and puts it in the bag. After she has scooped from it and put it in the bag over and over and over and over again, until the bag is full, she sews the bag shut. Then that family with great joy pick up that bag and they come walk into God's house that Sunday. Can you imagine that? These people who make less than a dollar a day gave $13 million to missions. Most churches don't give $13 to missions in America. Gave $13 million, excuse me, $13 million to missions. They, they pick up that bag. They carry that bag. As they carry that bag, they find the pallet because there's now a massive amount of people in this church. All of them 
based on roughly a dollar a day. But all of them bringing that little small brown bag, they lay that bag on a pallet, and the pallets of rice are laid up. When the people come to worship, they take those bags of rice and sell them out in the community. And when they sell them out in the community, every single dime, every single penny of it goes back to missions. As it goes back to missions, those people who would most people would say are the people that we need to give to because they have nothing, they're out giving us because they realize something. It's a matter of the heart. It's not looking at what I don't have and saying, well, God, if you love me, I'd feel better. Or God, if you love me, this wouldn't happen. But instead, it's examining my life and saying, Father, you have been good to me. And it started with the generosity of when Jesus Christ came and he died for me. And because of your generosity, now I want to be a generous person too. And I want to give because if I can eat, I can give. If I can breathe, I can bless. Stand with me today and I'll close. I needed that times three anyways. Listen to me. As I was preaching in the first service today, I realized something that was not just talking about finances. It's not just talking about praise. It can be talking about what God has given you because of what you have been blessed with. And I began to say this person could go sing in a nursing home. And then I described another person who could take their, their skill and go cut somebody's yard that may be a widow that needs somebody to trim up their yard or, or uh, whatever it is that your skill is. If you're able to fix a car, there's a single mom somewhere that needs somebody to step up and help her. If it, if it, from the abundance of your heart, what God has blessed you with. You see, my goal this year was I had a rough day yesterday morning. I mean, it was rough. A lot of stuff going on. We had, we, we had, we had no gas to turn our heaters on here. Some of our, uh, our gas had got, our heaters had got left on. It ran out. We had to figure out how to get gas down here. We had uh, uh, an issue going on in my home. I had a, a roof issue that, that, that was bothering me. And I had a, uh, my furnace blew up yesterday while it was sleeting. Glory to God. Went last night blessed in God's presence. Uh, God touched my body. I was hurting, but at 2, 2, 2.21 this morning, I was awakened in some of the most excruciating pain that I, I, I can say I felt in many, many times, many years of my life. I hadn't felt anything like this, just, just horrible pain. And so I flipped on the revival, and I'd only been asleep just a, a few hours there while they were still going over there. And I turned on the revival, and, and, I, and as I was watching what God was doing, all of a sudden I began to say something. I said, God, I'm not going to just lay here and focus on my pain. I'm going to, every time I hurt, I'm going to start praising. Every time I hurt, I'm going to start seeking you. And I began to give from that moment in my life and I want you to know a hunger was being born inside of me a hunger for more of God because every time that I got my mind off of that the pain I got my mind on Jesus I realized the pain began to become less can I tell you if the pain of your life has been pushing you to places that you should not go allow God to reset your heart and I'm trying to tell you how what brings grace into your life having a generous spirit if you can't forgive somebody you can't be forgiven see that's generous you got to be generous enough to forgive them but do it from where you are Heavenly Father, right now we are in this place. We have gathered in your name. We have more than a sack with rice. You have blessed us tremendously. But yet, we've not been generous from that position. There are many here who have been generous, and this church is generous. 
But God, what are you dealing with our hearts about? What pain have we focused on that's prevented us from being the person you called us to be? That's prevented us from being the, the person that you've chosen us to be. God, I need you. I'm hungry for more of you. As the pastor of this church, I declare we as a church are hungry for more of you. And Lord, you have sent word to us today that when we will become generous in our lives and generous with those around us and generous with our gifts and generous with what we have received because Deuteronomy says all the wealth of this world comes from God. You have blessed us. Now God, I'm asking you to help make us generous. With every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I realize there's some areas of my life that I've not been generous in. And I want God to reset my heart. I want God to help me. I want to reset. You've been, you've been self. Hands are already going up. If that's you, can I just see your hand? Would you get it up in the air? Wow. Hands all over this place. Put those down. God's going to reset our hearts. God's going to do something. I want us to be able to testify at the end of this year. Look what God has done with this reset. But maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I can't reset my heart because I've not allowed God to reset my soul and my life. You've not accepted His generous gift of His Son as your Savior. Maybe you prayed a prayer, but you've never really fully committed your life to Christ. And today's the day that you want to know Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you're listening. But you want to know Jesus right where you are. Right here, right there. You want to connect with God. Nobody looking around, everybody praying. This is a sacred moment. If you'd say today, Pastor, a lot of pain and a lot of struggles have blocked my generosity. But I'm going to ask God for His, and it's going to help deliver me. Because I want to surrender my life to Jesus Christ right now as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, I want to see your hand right where you are. Would you hold it up high? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Are there others? Thank you, thank you. Are there others? We'll join with these five. Are there others? Hallelujah. All right, put your hands down. We're going to pray a prayer with these. Listen, it's not the words, but it's the action. It's not coming down front and crying and joining a church. It's, it's, it's believing God right now. The Bible says that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised Him from the dead, I would be born again. These five are about to embrace God's generosity. And let's be generous enough to walk with them in this prayer. Come on, let's pray together right now. Jesus, by faith, I confess that You are Lord of my life. I believe you came for me. You died as a penalty for my sins. And you gave me grace. I believe you are alive forevermore. And now I pray, Heavenly Father, take my life as yours. In Jesus' name, I believe that God is my Father. Heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Father, I thank you for those, these, so many of them that prayed it for the very first time today. 
Lord, the very simple prayer that my parents prayed when they stumbled in to a little church after a bad night, after a time they didn't know if they were going to survive in their marriage, and they gave their heart to you as they prayed a prayer like this, God. And now, generations later, we are blessed. Father, I thank you, God, that, that now that this is settled by the blood of the Lamb and the power of God, and generations from them, their family shall be blessed because of the decision they've made to serve you today. Father, for everyone in this place that has said, I need God to forgive me and to open generosity in my life, Father, I thank you that grace flows to them and so that it can now flow through them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.